0: Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. As we begin this new year 2024, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, as we read the verses 1 through 5. Let us hear the word of God. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, "Write, for these words are true and faithful." This ends the reading of the holy word of God. The text for the sermon today is taken from the last verse that we have read together, Revelation 1, and the first part of verse 5. These words, "Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold," I make all things new. May the Lord bless and apply the reading of His Word to His heart, to our hearts. Dear friends, whatever we own must be maintained. From time to time, our car needs an oil change. From time to time we need to put new shingles on our house. From time to time we need to replace the brakes on our bicycle. If we don't do these things, whatever we have will eventually break down and may even have to be replaced. But there comes a time when a simple repair is not enough, and that's because things get old. And so after a while, it's not worth fixing things anymore. It simply needs to be replaced, or in the case of a house, it needs to be completely renovated. The same, in a sense, is true for time. Last week, we ushered in a new year, the year 2024. The year 2023 is no more. The year 2024 has now taken its place. And it raises all kinds of questions. What will this year bring? Will it bring happiness or sadness? Will it bring health or sickness? Will it bring prosperity or adversity? Will it bring life or death? We don't know the answer to any of these questions. Our times are in God's hands. But whatever this new year may bring us, the first day of the year is a kind of renovation. It marks the end of the old and the beginning of the new. And as such, it foreshadows and anticipates a much greater renovation, the renovation of all things. And it's to this subject that we turn our attention with God's help as we begin this new year together. The theme for the sermon today is the great renovation. We'll consider, first of all, the source, and secondly, the scope. The words of our text were spoken after the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. Which John describes in chapter 21, the verses 1 through 4. And there, John says, as we have read, that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. For he says, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And as John stood there watching this, he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God Now, following this glorious description of the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, we have the words of our text. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, who's speaking here? Who is the one who sat on the throne? Well, clearly it's God. We know that because back in Revelation chapter 4, John sees the throne room of heaven. And in verse 3, we read that the one who sat on the throne was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, obviously a reference to God. And this is confirmed by what we read in chapter 4, verse 8. There we read that the four living creatures did not rest day or night, and they said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then a few verses later, in verses 10 and 11, we read that the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, and they said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so based on this, we conclude that the one who sits on the throne, and therefore the one who is speaking in our text, is none other than God himself. Now there's something significant about this. Most of the time in Revelation, God does not speak directly. Usually the one who speaks is an angel, but here he does. He speaks directly. He speaks to us. And therefore we need to sit up and pay attention to what he says, behold, he says, "I make all things new." Now, I want you to draw. I want to draw your attention to the first word of this sentence, the subject of the verb. It is the word "I." So, who is the one who makes all things new? Well, it's clearly God, and by God, I mean the Triune God—the Father, the Son. And the Holy Spirit, God the Father, makes all things new. But he does so through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this cannot be emphasized enough. And I say that because for thousands of years, literally, in fact from the very beginning of time, man has been trying to make all things new, apart from God. He's been trying to create a utopia, a heaven on earth ultimately this is precisely what adam and eve were trying to do when they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil god said do not partake of that tree the day you partake of it you will surely die but the serpent said you will not surely die instead the tree will make them like god knowing good and evil and adam and eve believed him And we read in Genesis 3 that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What happened? Well, rather than become like God, Adam and Eve became sinners. And they came under the curse of God and the judgment of God. The decision to eat of the fruit of the tree ended in complete disaster. The serpent had to go on his belly. Eventually the seed of the woman who was Christ would bruise his head. The woman would have pain and childbearing and would be subject to her husband. The man would have to work hard to eat bread and in the end he would die and the creation itself would bring forth thorns and thistles. It was a disaster. The next time man attempted to create a utopia was when he constructed the Tower of Babel. We read about that in Genesis chapter 11. There we read that at that time everyone on earth spoke the same language. And shortly after people began to settle in the plain of Shinar, or what we now know as Babylon, they came up with a great plan. They would build a city with a high tower, one that would reach heaven itself, and this would make a name for themselves, and they would become strong and Powerful and economically secure and prosperous. But God came down and confused their language. So that they had to abandon the project. (coughs) And they were scattered over the face of the earth. And there have been many other attempts to do likewise. All of the great kingdoms and empires in history. The Babylonian Empire, the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, the Napoleonic Empire, the British Empire, the Soviet Empire. They were all attempts to create a utopia, a heaven on earth. And man is still trying to do this today. Communism, socialism, globalism, Humanism, environmentalism, transgenderism, diversity, inclusion, and equityism, they all amount to the same thing creating a utopia, a heaven on earth by man. But they've all come to nothing. And all present and future attempts will likewise come to nothing. Why? Because only God can do this. Only God can make all things new. Only God can create a utopia. And that's exactly what he does. He declares in our text, I make all things new. The point is, the source of this great renovation is to be found not in man, but in God. God himself makes all things new. He is the source of this renovation. But now what is the scope of this renovation? That brings us to our second point. You know, whenever God does something, He does it perfectly and completely. The same is true here. He makes all things new. Not just some things, but all things. And He does so right now. God doesn't use the future tense here. He doesn't say, I will make all things new at some point in the future. No, He says, I am making all things new right now. He's doing this right now. Well, you may ask, well, what is God making new? Well, first of all, he makes sinners new. This is exactly what God does when he saves a sinner. He makes us creatures in Christ, new creatures in Christ. Now, to be sure, we remain the same person after we come to Christ. We have the same personality and the same characteristics, but but we're different. We are made new. Now, let me flesh this out a bit. What does it mean to be made new? Well, first of all, it means we're given a new nature. Our old nature is sinful. In Lord's Day 2 of the Heidelberg Catechism, it says that we are prone by nature to hate God and our neighbor. Where did that come from? It came from Adam and Eve, our first parents. We received a sin nature from them. When Adam sinned, we all sinned in him. And now due to his fall into sin, we are all born with a sin nature. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's no amount of good works that we can do to placate the wrath of God or to make ourselves look better in the eyes of God. We are trapped in our depravity. Like a mouse in a mouse trap, we, we cannot escape. But when God works in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, He changes us. He replaces our old nature with a new nature. Now that doesn't mean we are without sin, because we will never be without sin in this life. But it does mean that we are no longer under the dominion of sin so that we can say no to sin and we can walk in the ways of the Lord. The Apostle Paul expresses this in Romans chapter 6 when he writes, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. You see what Paul is saying. He's saying that by virtue of Of our union with Christ. When Christ died, we died with him. In other words, we died to sin. Similarly, when he arose, we rose with him. In other words, we rose to righteousness. In other words, we are not what we once were. We have a new nature. We are new creatures in Christ. We're also given a new life. By nature, we are spiritually dead. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 5. He says that before our conversion to Christ, we were dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Not kind of dead, not a little bit dead, but dead, thoroughly dead. And that means that we are utterly incapable of doing anything for our own spiritual benefit and well being. We cannot repent, we cannot believe, we cannot do good works. We can do nothing. We're utterly dependent upon the grace and the power of God. In the previous verses, Paul writes that before our conversion, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Ah, but God works in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. He makes us alive. So Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't this wonderful? Christ brings us from a state of death to a state of life He makes us alive in Him, and as such, we have new feelings, new desires, new priorities. The orientation of our life, which was once away from God, God, is now towards God. We are alive. We are alive in Christ. We're also given a new relationship. By nature, the Bible says we are slaves to sin and the devil. But by grace, we are slaves of righteousness and sons of God for Christ's sake. By nature, we are foreigners, but by grace, we are citizens. By nature, we are enemies, but by grace, we are made friends. By nature, we are afar off, but by grace, we are brought near. We're also given a new body. This body of ours is subject to the effects of sin and of the fall. It's prone to disease and disability and decay and ultimately death. But our new body will not be prone to any of these things. It will be a perfect body. It will be incapable of sinning even. And it will last forever. Now we don't have that body yet. But we will when our Lord comes again. Now the trumpet will sound and the archangels shall shout. And whether we are alive or whether we are dead. And whether we've been in the grave for hundreds of years. Our bodies will be transformed. And they will be raised. And they shall be made like the glorious body of Jesus Christ. Incorruptible. Without sin. To glorify and to praise Him forever. But not only does God make us new. He also makes His creation new. At present... Like us in our pre-resurrection bodies, the creation groans under the weight of sin. And Paul speaks of that in Romans chapter 8, the verses 19 to 22. He writes, the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Creation groans. Paul compares The created order to a woman in labor as she groans until the child that she's bearing has been born. And so creation groans under the weight of sin and the effects of sin. But one day, when our Lord comes again, this creation will be recreated. It will be new. John refers to this in the opening verses of our text chapter, doesn't Verses. One to four, he speaks about the new heavens and the new earth and how the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. So like our bodies, the new creation will be without sin and the effects of sin. There will be no more natural disasters. There will be no more ozone depletion. There will be no more climate change. No more pollution. It will be absolutely perfect in every way. So all of creation will be made new. We will be made new. Creation will be made new. God makes all things new. Now it goes without saying that this gives us so much hope as we begin the new year 2024. First of all, if God makes all things new, then if you are not saved today, he can make you new as well. Never think that you are too far gone for God. Never think that you are too sinful. Never think that your heart is too hard and cold. For he who makes all things new can also give you a new heart. He can cause you to be born again. He can bestow on you the new birth. And if he did this for Manasseh, and if he did this for Paul, and if he did this for the thief on the cross, if he did this for me, he can do it for you too. If you ask him, for he has said, I make all things new secondly if god makes all things new then he can make his people renewed and strengthen his grace within his people many of god's people are not where they want to be spiritually isn't that so child of god we wish we spent more time reading and studying the scriptures and praying and communing with god We wish we had more victory over sin. We wish we had more communion with God, more love to God, more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we see only our failures and our shortcomings. And and we have to confess that the old man is still so strong within us, and our faith is still so weak, and we're tired of it. And we want to change, but we feel so powerless to change. And every time we try to change, we, we find ourselves falling into the same old patterns again and again and again. And we can identify with the Apostle Paul, who at the end of Romans 7 cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And they dare not begin a new year the same way we finish the old one. Oh, dear believer, don't be discouraged today. Bring it to God lay it before him ask him to give you more grace ask him to revive and quicken you plead his promise that where he has begun a good work he will surely finish it and do not stop praying until he has refreshed your soul with his grace he can do it for he is the god who makes all things new thirdly and finally if god makes all things new then he can, if it is his will, change the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Maybe some of you need to hear that. Last year, perhaps, was not the best year for you. Your business did not do as well as you had hoped. Your income became less because of inflation and high interest rates. You found it hard to make ends meet. Your health took a turn for the worse. You've been diagnosed with a sickness, a disease that will involve many treatments and many therapies. You experience tension in your marriage and your family life. You're anxious and you're fearful about the future. You look at what's happening in the world today and you just despair. And you feel so utterly powerless to do anything about it. You struggle with addiction and you relapse. Your devotional life is not what it should be. And so you're dreading entering this new year. What will it bring, you say? Will it bring more of the same? Oh, if that's the case, then just let me stay here. Let me not proceed any further into this year. More struggles, more trials, more defeats, more of the same, downward slide. No, I don't want it. Well, I cannot predict the future. But God knows what he has in store also for you. And I can tell you this that he can help you it may not please him to change your circumstances he may he may require you to go through a deep dark valley a deep trial a deep hardship for your own good but i tell you this that he will sustain you yes he can change our circumstances in a moment if that pleases him and if he thinks that's good for you he can even change the entire political world order Sometimes, sometimes God makes us go through these deep, dark valleys in order to teach us something. Nevertheless, if our circumstances become too hard for us to bear, we can bring that too to the Lord. We can ask him, Lord, give me some relief. And if it pleases him not to do so, then we can ask him, Lord, give me grace to withstand whatever trials you may send me in this upcoming year and even use them for our spiritual enrichment. For he makes all things new. Every so often we need to renovate, but the greatest renovation is performed by God. He makes all things new. And one day this renovation will be complete, and what a day that will be. For then we who are in Christ will be like him at last. And this world which is now groaning under the weight of sin will be perfect that we shall live and reign with Christ forever. Well, knowing this, and with this perspective, let us enter the year 2024 with confidence, and let us look to our God, who makes all things new. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy and privilege to be able to preach to you the Word of God every Sunday on this station, and if you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we would very much appreciate hearing from you. will not you please take the time to write us a short note, just to let us know that you're listening to this broadcast. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X 2M9. And when you write, please indicate the call letters of this station. Please note that we do not send out CDs of our radio messages. However, you can access and download all of our messages at any time from our website at www.banneroftruthradio.com. That's www.banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us, to offset the costs of broadcasting this program of this station, you can send us a donation in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road.